Welcome to another episode of Civic Cypher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. I go by the name Q Ward most of the time, but not all of the time, because sometimes my mom calls me Quentin with an extra emphasis on the O, because I might be in trouble a little bit, <laughs> even at 40 years old. Well, that's the way the game goes. Uh, not mad at that at all. Stick around because we got uh, a good show lined up. We're going to do some, um, some thinking today. And uh, we would like your help in participating in this thought experiment. We're going to talk about guns as is necessary right about now. Unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, we're going to talk about uh, another deadly weekend and week uh, filled with mass shootings in this country. We're also going to talk about legislation and... uh, really what's standing in the way and what we can do about it and really just kind of deal with the reality of the guns in this country. This is obviously a national issue, but as you'll find out that uh, this, like many other things, disproportionately affects black and brown people in this country. And And poor people. And poor people. Which is why there's likely not going to be anything done about it. But Ramses is going to keep you guys hopeful. That's my job. And and, uh, it's not just lip service. I do believe that we can make progress, but it starts with conversations like these. And hopefully we're doing our part. Um, You know, when we meet our maker, our maker won't be able to say we didn't do anything. We, we did something. We did what we could. And, and hopefully with your support, we can actually see some real change in the world. Um, today's show is brought to you by Ms. Maggie, a.k.a. Maggie B. Nolan. Yes, she does. So um, if you are mad at us, you can blame her. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> she didn't deserve that. But uh, first and foremost, we'll start where we always do uh, with some ebony excellence. How does that sound cute? Shall we? We shall. Um, This one is brought to you by Armadale Vodka. And we are going to um, talk about LeBron James. The story comes from CNN. We now have a new black billionaire. LeBron James. Yes, indeed. And uh, this is marking the first time an active NBA player has achieved that milestone, according to one calculation. Forbes said that the Los Angeles Lakers star has maximized his business, generating more than $1.2 billion in pre-tax earnings. His NBA salary from three different teams during the past 19 years has amounted to $383 million. And James has raked in upwards of $900 million in income from endorsements and other business ventures. In addition to lucrative endorsement deals with Nike, AT&T, Pepsi, and Walmart, Forbes said that James structured his deal to include equity in those brands, giving him a, quote, cut of the upside instead of a quick paycheck, end quote. Keep that in mind, kids. The four-time NBA champion also has investments in fitness startup Tonal, ride-sharing company Lyft, and eatery upstart Blaze Pizza. LeBron told GQ in a 2014 interview, quote, it's my biggest milestone. Obviously, I want to maximize my business. And if I happen to get it, I happen to be a billion dollar athlete. Hip, hip, hooray. Oh my God, I'm going to be excited, end quote. So that is obviously a tremendous achievement. And then all of the philanthropic things that he does. He's not just a billionaire. I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus, but um, it, there there's other NBA billionaires, too. I think one in particular and LeBron James, in my estimation, is doing more for the black community and for poor people 
um, than I've ever seen before. So um, not only because he's a billionaire, but because we believe him to be a good man so far, he deserves some ebony excellence today. Shout out to the king. Yes, indeed. 900 million mm. in endorsements. That man was not playing. Not playing. Whew. Keep going. Anyway, now we must talk about another deadly week and weekend in America. We be driving toward the sun with a smile on our face. <laughs> and here comes this detour. And we got to make this left. And man, it's hard to brace for it. Like, even though we know it's coming. Yeah. It is hard to brace for it, man. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, you know, to Q's point, um, we are thinking, feeling individuals. You know, the reason you're hearing us on your radio stations right now is because we are broadcasters. We're DJs, like actual DJs with vinyl and Serato and play music for people to dance to, that sort of stuff. Um, we have this skill set to where we can put together programming. We have a great show producer and uh, we have beating hearts and we feel things. And so Obviously, covering these subjects is a very difficult thing to do week in and week out, but we feel it's necessary. So we appreciate you sticking with us as we kind of comb through these things and try to make sense of it. Um, we feel it's important. And obviously, by your listening, um, you feel it's important as well. With that said, anytime we discuss the loss of life, um, we try not to become desensitized to it. And we also try not to become overwhelmed by it. Um, we deal with this quite a bit. We have to watch these videos. We have to read these stories. We have to listen to these mothers and these families that are left behind. And I wanted to acknowledge what you were saying, Q, that this detour is, it should never be normalized, but we appreciate the support of all of our listeners. And if this is your first time tuning into the show, you'll understand why we made that statement. So the first thing we're going to discuss uh, comes to us from 12 News in the Bronx. Um, the headline reads, uh, three other states saw active shootings at the same time as the mass shooting at the Tulsa hospital complex. So the big story, um, recent, big recent mass shooting story was uh, that a man was not happy with his medication that he was uh, prescribed. I think that's the word, not subscribed. By the way, be sure to subscribe. Um, he went and got a gun, went and shot up a hospital, right? And, and, and I think that we should say this here. This uh, shooter was a black man, and the primary target of this shooting was a black doctor. Um, so, you know, we never like to make things black and white issues if we don't have to on this show. We do realize that the overwhelming number of the larger mass shooting incidents that we see on the news are usually carried out by white men. Um, but we do feel like when we get to the point where we're talking about the way to address these things, that it could help prevent these tragedies happening from people from all different colors and all walks of life, you know, the, the access to firearms and mental health, you know, those sorts of things. We're all humans at the end of the day. So we all got to kind of pass through those same checkpoints. Hopefully it'll weed out 
everyone. That's, that's my hope. However, um, I want to read on. A gunman killed four people Wednesday during a shooting inside the Tulsa Oklahoma Hospital. Um, an inmate receiving treatment at a, high, at a hospital in Dayton, Ohio, shot and killed a security guard before shooting himself near the hospital entrance. Um, a person was shot outside a Walmart in Pittston, Pennsylvania, during what police called an attempted homicide. And a student was shot Wednesday afternoon outside a high school in Valley Glen, California. Um, and these weren't considered mass shootings, um, but they all occurred at the same time. Like, so if you went and looked at the clock, this is, you know, all these people were dead from guns. People's lives were cut short. We, we all agree that if, if a gun is involved, then your life was cut short. Yes. Yeah, and these are reported active shootings. Right. Um, so that's one way of looking at the deadly weekend. We'll move on. This one also comes from CNN. Um, from graduation parties to a mall, 13 mass shootings over the weekend leave more than a dozen dead and over 70 injured. Right. It's important to remember that mass shootings don't often kill everyone. You know, there are wounded people. I was seeing a story about a teacher in Uvalde, Texas. Um, if you haven't seen that clip, be sure to check it out. He's a very passionate man who recounts his story. There was also um, footage of an 11 year old who survived the shooting in Uvalde and uh, she had something to say as well. Um, and so there are people left behind that have to pick up the pieces. You know, the toughest thing Rams about listening to uh, a lot of these stories that we've read about um, that we that we're highlighting and that we're talking about is that it'd be sad if there was a mass shooting, mm-hmm. right? If somebody said the mass shooting that we'd all know what we were talking about, that would be sad. Mm-hmm. What's way sadder? <laughs> I know what you mean. Forgive us, people. I think I might have made that word up, <laughs> but you know, more sad. I think is the proper way to say that. Either way, I is that. If someone in mixed company, not here at the store, at the shopping mall, somebody text you, whatever, had you heard about the mass shooting now, it take you a minute to try to decipher which one they were talking about. You might even ask the question. You might even have to ask which one. That is startling and also kind of not getting enough press. Well, to your point. That is exactly why we're doing today's show. You know, when, when uh, Maggie B. Nolan came with the idea, hey, we need to make sure to articulate and enumerate the number of mass shootings that have taken place. Um, we didn't know ourselves how many had taken place. And we work in news media now. For all intents and purposes, this is what we do. And not only do we work in, in news media, we work in this space very specifically. Yeah. Exactly. So it's one of these things where it's really easy to say, okay, this thing happened in Texas. This thing happened in Buffalo. This thing happened, you know, and you might live in Vermont. You might live in Oregon. You might live in South Carolina. You might live in, you know, wherever it is that you live. Um, so a lot of times these stories might feel far away from you, but we really need to kind of heed the gravity of the amount of gun violence in this country. And we all need to work together to push 
for legislation. You know, if there's, I think there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 90% of folks that wanted some form of gun reform that were pulled. I'm thinking that number needs to be closer to 100%. You know, I get that there's never going to be 100% because there are people that, you know, work at the NRA. But if you're like us, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, human beings with beating hearts and feelings who cringe at the thought of wounded 11-year-olds giving their testimony, and then, you know, we, we saw the, the speech that Matthew McConaughey gave at the um, White House when he was talking about the exit wounds on these children from an AR-15 style weapon, the exit wounds from a child. And they could, that's why they couldn't identify the, the kids. They had to use their clothes and their shoes and other um, uh, context clues to figure out who, whose babies these were in this puddle of leftovers. Um, we need to know the extent of to which this is happening so that we can ourselves heed the gravity. And when I say we, I mean Q and me, but also those of you who choose to tune in and listen to the show every week. I often go back and forth with, with you Rams and you know this about the gravity of covering this type of content so constantly, not just the effect that it has on us, but the potential effect it could have on listeners mm -hmm. and not just a traumatic effect, but like a man for real every week, y'all going to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Kind of like an exhaustion of it. Yeah. Right. But then I think about conversations that we've had and the fact that we might be the only people in the space having these conversations constantly. Right. Uh, Tupac once spoke about the reason why his art was so tragic, if you will. Mm -hmm. And he compared it to the photojournalist that covered Vietnam. Had the people here not been able to see how bad it was, it may have, that war may have never stopped. Okay. The, the, the support of people back home wanting that war to end was good because people had to go over there and show us how bad it was. And he thought that if he could continue, you know, why you talk about women that way? And why do you, why do you uh, give violence such a big platform? Why do you point out all these or celebrate all these horrible things about the communities that you're in? And he's like, I'm not celebrating it. But I feel like if I talk about it enough and people hear how bad it was, they'll want to do something about it. They'll want to change it. And I, I kind of understand our responsibility in this space, as exhausting as it may be to hear about it, as mentally and emotionally draining as it may be for us to talk about it. It's kind of necessary. People do need to get tired of hearing us talking about people being murdered and all of the very difficult things that we have to talk about so often. I appreciate you saying that. And um, obviously that's kind of what we're hoping for. You know, we like s some of you listening, you know, like people in your own communities, people that, you know, have large stages and so forth. We saw a need. We saw no one else was meeting that need and we tried to meet that need the best we could. And in doing so, we've been learning how to deliver this content to you in a way that is engaging, but also informative. And at the same time, trying not to overwhelm ourselves with black deaths, um, you know, uh, not to succumb to 
the fullness of the black experience in this country. Um, you know, we, we'd be the first to admit, Q and I would be the first to admit that we have had many opportunities that many black people don't get. Um, we have had stories that are very different from the stories of the people born in the same exact circumstances as us. And, you know, with these gifts comes the responsibility that sometimes looks like a show called Civic Cipher. And so I appreciate you saying that. And everyone listening to the show every week that feels the same way, we appreciate that. I'll continue. Um, the U.S. has suffered at least 246 mass shootings in 2022, according to the Gun Violence Archive. The country is on pace to match or surpass last year's total, which was the worst on record. In 2020, 161 mass shootings through June 5th. In 2019, it was 154. So we're well ahead of schedule here as far as mass shootings. Um, this next tidbit comes from NPR. Firearms overtook auto accidents as the leading cause of death in children. So that should be enough, right? When we talk about legislation, when we talk about action, when we talk about just being fed up, we shouldn't even have to have a, a rest of the show after you say that. Yeah, no, we still got more. <laughs> and we're parents, so maybe it hits us different. Yeah. But all of us are either parents or we are children or we are siblings or uncles or like all of us know children. Right. All of us should view them the same. Mm -hmm. Like still people. I, you, save that because wait until I read this. You know, one day, maybe Civic Cypher will be a show about two DJs sharing good music with folks. <laughs> but for now, this while these problems still persist and we have voices and are able to share. It sounds like what I'm about to read. Um, the CDC reports every year more than 3,500 children and teens are shot and killed in the U.S. and another 15,000 are wounded at shootings. CDC data from 2016 to 2020. Of those deaths, 2,100 are homicides. On average, 1,200 children a year die by suicide with a gun. Another 130 children and teens per year die from unintentional shootings. On average, fewer than 35 children and teens are killed as a result of mass shootings a year, even though for obvious and good reasons, those tragedies often receive lots of attention. Experts and advocates say that as the U.S. is forced once again to confront the tragedy of the children being gunned down in their schools, saving the lives of children will require the country to seriously address gun violence in all forms. I want to continue, if I may. And that's from Time Magazine, by the way. Time Magazine. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Thank you. Gun violence has trended upward since the start of the pandemic. As of June 1st, 2022, uh, 686 children have been killed this year as a result of gun violence and 1,700 have been injured, according to the Gun Violence Archive. Um, and this note that I'm going to read comes from uh, Ms. Maggie, a.k.a. Maggie B. Noah. The majority of these shootings happen within inner city minority communities. Black children are 14 times more likely than white kids and teens to die as a result of gun violence. Hispanic or Latino children are three times more likely to die than white kids um, as a result of gun violence. To put it plainly, black and Hispanic or Latino 
uh, children are severely more exposed to gun violence than white children. Now, I want to jump in right here before we make the last point. We didn't want to give any shine to this story, so you won't hear about it on our show today, but there is an individual endorsed by the former president of this country who is seeking elected office, who is on record as saying that uh, gun violence, uh, to put it plainly, is the result of black people. Um, and I recognize that maybe not you, but maybe people in your life might feel like that is largely true. You know, um, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at numbers and data to tell yourself whatever story you're comfortable hearing, right? But they're almost all incomplete. I'll even see that sometimes the information that we get is incomplete, right? We're not immune to that. We've had to make corrections on this show before, and we're not above that. We're committed to telling the truth and sharing our vision and our perspective, but. Incomplete and blatantly false are not the same, by the way. Fair point, fair point. And a lot of times what they have on that side is blatantly false. But, you know, for the sake of this, this part of the conversation, I do want to say that while we're kind of venturing into an entirely different topic, there is a reason for violence, gun violence specifically. There's a reason for crime in impoverished communities. There's a reason for lots of these things that many people look at impoverished communities, communities of color very often in this country and think to themselves, it is the very nature of these black and brown people to be violent. Sad truth. And that is not true. Because if it is in the nature of black and brown people to be violent, then you would see it in black and brown communities around the country. And that's just not true. We see it in this country, largely, it follows the, the money line. Around the world. Around the world, I mean, yeah. yes. In this country, it, it largely follows the money line. And so what you're noticing overwhelmingly is that economic inequality shapes these outcomes, these statistical outcomes. And again, that's a much bigger conversation that we've had on this show. We will continue to have on this show. But right now we're talking about gun violence. And because uh, uh, Maggie wanted us to make sure to make this point that it disproportionately affects black and brown uh, people and children in this country, um, that our communities also need to take these things very seriously and allies to these communities. So if you're not a black or brown person, but you love people or a person or just have any degree of love in your heart, period, and would like to see better outcomes for black and brown communities, you need to know this as well. I want to read this last point just so that we get it in and uh, before we uh, move on. So this last one comes from CNN. America's deadly weekend of more mass shootings raises stakes for Senate gun talks. Okay. It's a fierce political debate. While many Americans see their right to bear arms as a critical plank of self-defense and national identity, polls show even many Republicans consider some sensible extra regulations are necessary. At times at the weekend, uh, News of more shootings came in speeds that were difficult to believe. Of course, most Americans went about their business without encountering violence, but the 
indiscriminate nature of the shootings recently at schools, medical offices, supermarkets, at bars, and at parties shows how deeply ingrained the threat of gun violence is in everyday life. No one killed in these outrages had any reason to think their lives were about to end in a relative in relatively mundane locations. In other words, these weren't war zones. This was day-to-day life in the United States of America. And very benign circumstances normally going to the grocery store, going to school, uh, not just benign, but safe, right? You you don't want your children running the street. You want them in school mm. once upon a time. Um it will forever be a question of mine with our Second Amendment folks. The, the, the very basis for that amendment to defend ourselves against tyranny from our government and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Those are the same people that when our law enforcement murders us, marches the street for us to support them. Mm. So I'm very, very confused as to which of those points you're trying to hold true to. Or is it neither and you have no idea what you're talking about? Well, we know that a lot of times they move the line and such is the nature of our relationship to each other in this country. 